0: If you're interested in small business, you're going to want to subscribe to the Small Business Showcase by KaizenTree. We meet with small business owners every week to discuss lessons that you can apply in your own journey. Learn from their failures, successes, and stories to discover how to build a life doing what you love. For those of you who already have a small business, be sure to check out KaizenTree.com, an online platform that helps manage your inventory, sales channels, customer relationships, and more.
1: Welcome back to the Small Business Showcase. My name is Emily and it's a pleasure to have you with us. Our guest today is Paul Farago, founder of Ace Marks. Ace Marks is a luxury men's shoe brand. How are you today, Paul?
2: I'm doing good, Emily. Thank you very much for having me on.
1: It's fantastic to have you here. To get started, can you tell us a little bit about Ace Marks?
2: Absolutely. So Ace Marks, uh, pretty simply, is my project that I started to make luxury shoes accessible to everyone. Everything that we do is really high end, uh, really high quality, and we offer it to the consumer at a price point that just does not exist at this quality level anywhere else.
1: I know that luxury brands are really expensive sometimes just for the name, and really what you're looking for is the quality, I'm assuming.
2: That, that's exactly right. So, usually, luxury brands are either all marketing and there's not that much quality or there is some quality and they're very hard to find or just inaccessible because of the price point. And something that most luxury brands tend to have in common, which was always my biggest pet peeve, is that the shoes tend to be very uncomfortable. So you, you spend a lot of money on something and then there's a break-in period and it's hard to wear. And we wanted to change all of that with Ace Marks. And so one, we made everything very accessible. It's the same quality. A lot of our shoes are made in the same factories as the very well-known luxury brands. And because we offer everything direct to consumer, and plus we, we run a, a very tight ship on the back end, uh, we're able to really pass all the savings along to our customers and give a great product. And we have a really big focus on comfort as well. Uh, so everything that we do, like for example, our dress shoes have memory foam insoles in them. They're very flexible right out of the box. So you don't have that break-in period. And our sneakers have shock-absorbing insoles, and also they're very flexible the leathers that we use are very soft. So we really focus on not just the high-end craftsmanship and the quality. We also really care about the comfort and making sure we sell a product that our customers are happy to wear and don't just wear them because they feel like they're a nice pair of shoes that they have to wear for a certain occasion.
1: So your shoes are quality, they're comfortable and they're accessible, which I think hits all the points consumers kind of want these days.
2: Exactly. That's exactly what we're going for. And I think we've achieved it so far.
1: So what drew you to the footwear market specifically? I'm sure there's a story behind there.
2: Yeah. So actually I've been in the world of footwear for a very long time and my family before me, uh, I guess you can call me a second generation shoe guy. My family really started out with a shoe store here in Miami. It was my mother's hobby. A little by little that didn't work, but she started importing shoes from Italy, mostly children's shoes. And that started growing, and at some point, we became distributors for a lot of the really high-end luxury brands like & Gabbana, Roberto Cavalli, Giorgio Armani, mostly in children's and a little bit in women's. We also always had our own brand that we would develop, we would manufacture and sell, and as well as some licensed brands that we would have then bring to market ourselves. Under licenses, we'd essentially pay for the name and manufacture the products, design the product, and then sell it, Could always more on the luxury side. And that, that's pretty much how I ended up getting into Ace Marks. I actually left that family business for the most part. You know, I was kind of tired of always having a warehouse full of children's shoes and women's shoes and things that I couldn't wear and never having anything I could put on despite a warehouse full of shoes. So there's a little bit more to it than that, but th- that was definitely one of the things that interests me about men's shoes. And, and I wanted to also work direct to consumer. Uh, traditionally, we worked very much in retail channels where wholesaler, selling department stores, chain stores, independents. And that whole process became very frustrating as well, especially over the last 10, 15, 20 years. And department stores obviously have had their troubles uh, during that time as well. So it was very intriguing to me to go direct to consumer and build a brand, especially with the relationships that we had in Italy and knowing that we were able to deliver something much better than what was out there in the market already.
1: So is direct to consumer your main sales channel at this point?
2: Yes, with Ace Marks, 99.999% of our business is direct to consumer. We actually just recently, in the last few months, brought on a few retail accounts that we started selling to, but it's very, very small portion of our business right now.
1: Based off of the story of how you started, I'm assuming you want to keep most of Ace Marks direct to consumer. Are you looking to kind of expand the retail market a little more?
2: No, our focus is really still direct to consumer. We may add a handful of more retail stores. We're not against it. Frankly, our decision to even be in any retail stores really had a lot to do uh, with the pandemic over the last year. And I know that a lot of retailers are looking for product and looking for fresh product. And we've said no to retailers for so long at this point that we decided to give a few a shot. And for us, you know, we really look for retailers that really take care of their customers, that are independent retailers and are able to build a relationship with their customers the way that we like to build relationships directly with our customers. So we're not just trying to sell to anyone that, that comes and knocks on our door.
1: We've heard before that the pandemic has changed the paths and journeys of a lot of small businesses, but I feel like we probably forget sometimes that it also has changed the paths of a lot of big businesses, retail stores, that sort of thing. Everyone's kind of looking in new directions at this point.
2: Yeah, absolutely. The pandemic, I mean, affected just about uh, everyone. Uh, retail, you know, was shut down for a very long time. That changed the speed at which a lot of these retail stores started looking at online as a real channel, as a real way to sell product. So frankly, it made online much more difficult for a lot of the smaller stores, smaller brands, because there's so much more competition now from a lot of these major retailers. And at the same time, I think the consumer who maybe during 2020, when they were stuck at home, was very happy shopping online. I think that there's starting to be a need and a want to go outside and actually physically touch product again, have experiences again. So I, I think it's continuing to shift. And I don't think the dust has settled just yet on what life or retail after the pandemic uh, looks like.
1: I would definitely agree with that. I think there's a bunch still up in the air. With Absolutely. We haven't mentioned this yet, but your company was actually founded and started as a Kickstarter campaign. What was the process behind that?
2: Yes. So when, when I left my family's business and I started really focusing on creating Ace Marks and putting it out there, you know, I, I kind of went through the process of working with our factory, creating samples, creating a collection, really defining the product. And truthfully, I had never really sold anything online before. We, we had a, a website in our business, but it didn't account for even point zero 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 one of our sales. It's just almost like an afterthought. So I never really, it really had real experience selling product online at any real volume. So when we had this collection ready to go, I kind of wasn't sure where to go with it. Yeah, I could put up a website, but who's going to show up to the website? How do I bring traffic, right? And the Kickstarter, it just seemed like an intriguing thing. I didn't know if it was going to work or wasn't going to work. So we actually had our collection ready to go in the beginning of 2015. But once I made the decision that we're going to give Kickstarter a shot to launch this, it took me all of 2015 to study Kickstarter to really try to figure out what works, so what doesn't work. We had a few iterations of our campaign, of our video, and then we ended up launching on Kickstarter and doing really well. We were the most funded footwear campaign in, in crowdfunding history back then in 2016. Uh, we beat our own record in 2017 and then did really well again in 2018. We raised over $2.5 million on that platform. It, it kind of opened my eyes a little bit because it, it made me realize that crowdfunding whether on or off of Kickstarter is a pretty interesting tool to have in our business because we're able to put product out without making significant inventory investments and not taking on that risk, which is usually one of the most difficult parts about retail and often what makes or breaks a retailer, the way that they manage inventory or get stuck with inventory. So crowdfunding kind of became this interesting way that we can build community, collect data about products that work and don't work. And then bring products that work onto our website or invest in inventory. And, you know, after 2018, we didn't do any Kickstarter campaigns anymore, but in 2019, 2020, we launched campaigns on our own crowdfunding platform that we built. However, now in 2021, we happen to be back on Kickstarter because we created what we believe to be the first leather shoe that can fold flat completely and then pop back up and it does increase, compact it in your suitcase, in your backpack, even in your briefcase, Or in your Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper, if you wanted to, that would still be around. (laughs) But if it folds completely flat and it pops up and it's a nice dress shoe or sneaker we have as well. And we thought that was a pretty cool idea to bring to Kickstarter and just kind of see if we can do something the way we did in the past on there.
1: The travel shoe is kind of the exact thing that Kickstarter seems to love is those fun, innovative things that people say, oh, I haven't seen that before. I need to get that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and that's exactly why we decided to bring this to Kickstarter instead of just putting it on our own crowdfunding platform. Usually when we release a product on our crowdfunding platform, it's essentially just new product or a new collection, but it's still just a different iteration of of our shoes, right? So this was something completely different. It it involves materials technology, which is not something that we were very involved uh, with before in developing. Our toe and heel counters, which I won't get into the whole explanation, but it's essentially the internal piece that keeps the shoe upright so that the leather doesn't fold in on itself and it keeps the shape of the shoe. And usually the shoe and toe counter are made specifically to not crumble or to not crush or to not fold. And there's some new material, some new polymers that we used in ours, which allow it to not just fold, but it's very resilient. So it pops right back up. However, the issue becomes... But the leather, calfskin leather, once it starts doing that too many times, it tends to crease. Just like when you wear a leather shoe, you're walking in it, you end up with those creases that most people don't like. So we, we had to solve what we call internally the creasing problem as well, not just the toe heel counter folding problem. And so we kind of went to Oltec for that. We found that buffalo leather has naturally elastic properties, like how leather doesn't. And so it's much more elastic. And when it crumbles, it crushes, it folds flat, and it comes back up with a tone heel counter, you don't have any ugly creases or lines that you'd usually see in a cow leather. The reality is we're marketing it as a travel shoe, but it's really a leather shoe that doesn't crease. Whether or not you ever travel, you can put on one of these shoes, wear them, and you're not going to get those ugly creases that you would usually get with a pair of leather shoes or leather sneakers. So we kind of solved two problems in one uh, with a new product.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I have to admit, when I went on the Kickstarter and I watched the video, I was thinking like, there's no way the shoe could go that flat. It's got to be pretty bulky still. But then in the video, I mean, you show it real flat and that's kind of amazing.
2: Yeah, it folds flat to about two inches. And we're actually including this in our campaign with every shoe. We use Velcro straps essentially to hold it together. So if you wanted to pack it real tight in a backpack or in your suitcase or carry-on, you were able to do that. But yeah, it folds. I mean, literally you can even squish it more than we show in that video, uh, make it even tighter. So it folds super, super flat, again, two inches, give or take a little bit, but yeah, it's pretty cool the way we can do that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And using the Buffalo leather, how did you even think to create the shoe?
2: I didn't know how I was going to do it, but the way I thought to create the shoe, I went to a destination wedding in 2019 and I hate having to wait for my luggage when I'm traveling. And so I try as hard as I can to not take anything more than a carry-on with me. And I also like to save money. I don't like to spend extra, you know, 50, 60, 100 bucks to to check the luggage in.
1: Oh yeah. It's so expensive these days.
2: Right. So it's partially because I'm a little bit cheap. I I had to travel to the destination wedding. And the only reason that I had to check my luggage in was because for like the two, three hours of the ceremony, and we had to wear nice shoes. For those two, three hours, I was going to have to bring dress shoes. And it's just like frustrating that I couldn't pack them really flat. Actually, when I put my dress shoes in a suitcase, I usually put shoe trees in them. So that the leather doesn't fold flat. It doesn't crumble. It doesn't crease. It doesn't look ugly. And I was just annoyed. It was just kind of like something in the back of my head would be great. if Like there was a way I could take nice shoes on a trip and I didn't have to check in my bags. On the next trip to Italy, I started just kind of coincidentally um, at my factory that had some Buffalo leather because they're always experimenting with product and materials as well. And so that's in Buffalo leather. And I was talking to the guy that, that essentially runs the leather storeroom over there and also the factory owner. And we we're talking about Buffalo leather. And he was telling me a little bit about it. Cause I, I, frankly, I'd never even realized that you can make shoes out of Buffalo leather. And so we started talking about it and through that conversation, we kind of started testing, you know, if there's anything that we can do to kind of make a flat shoe. And so You know, we knew that the the roadblock there was going to be the toe and heel counters again because they don't crumble. So we just started doing a little research, started talking to our suppliers and seeing what the options are. And, you know, we found a supplier that was using this new material to make the toe and heel counters. So we kind of just ended up combining the Buffalo leather and the toe and heel counters. And we came up uh, with this product and it ended up being perfect to solve this problem. In a lot of ways, you know, it was one of those situations where Just kind of start the process. And if you put yourself out there and you just start looking around and paying attention to what's around you, you know, sometimes you just find the answer in front of your face and that's kind of what happened here.
1: That's fantastic. You mentioned that Kickstarter helped with your inventory and kind of funding your inventory as you were a young business. Do you think there's any other ways that Kickstarter kind of played into your success, maybe in marketing or getting your name out there?
2: Actually, I think more than funding our first couple of runs of inventory what Kickstarter did was help us build a community, uh, helped us get our name out there, helped us get those early adopters and like those backers, which is what customers are called on, on Kickstarter, get those backers that really believed in us and really believed in what we we're doing in our project. And, and frankly, believed in me and my team more than anything that we can get this done. And that first group of guys, I think in our first campaign, we had close to a thousand backers, if I'm not mistaken. And those first thousand guys really feel like they're an essential part of creating our business and building our business. And frankly, they really are. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have a business today. And there's, a, I don't know, I'd say 10 of those first guys that we're constantly in touch with. When they come to Miami, they come and visit our offices, come and visit me. They have my cell phone number. So we'll talk every now and then. You know, I'm actually invited to one of their weddings coming up later this year. So we've really built like these like real relationships that formed because of that first Kickstarter campaign. And obviously, in our second campaign, our third campaign, they always came back to back us. And I think what was probably the coolest part of it is, you know, we we're a small business. I don't have a team of hundreds of people like on the internet, like posting on social and doing all the stuff for us. So when someone would post something about us, either positive or negative, anywhere on social media. They'll almost always see one of these original guys like either correct them or, you know, defend us if they have to defend us. Thankfully, it doesn't happen that often, but they're always there to represent us in a positive light. And that I think only happens when you have at least that core community that feels so strongly about what you're doing that they go to bat for you. And so that's probably the coolest thing that came out of the Kickstarter, more so than the the funding or the data collection, just having that core group of guys that really believes in our brand and our product.
1: That is so special. I know we hear a lot of the time about it's important for small businesses to have a community with other small businesses, but what you're talking about is a community with your customers and having people who really believe in your product and really love to support you from the customer side, not just from the business to business side.
2: Right. Absolutely. Maybe it was a little bit naive of me, but I kind of always envisioned and I realized that it's possible after that first Kickstarter campaign, they always looked like Ace Marks as like your, your corner store or your local store that you go in to buy footwear and you know everybody, people are nice to you and the customer service is great. And you go there almost as much for the customer service and for the people to that store as you do for the product that you're going to buy from them. So that was always kind of our mission with Ace Marks. And The beginning, obviously, it was me answering almost all the emails and communicating directly with our customers. Uh, That's frankly impossible today. But you know, our customer service team, Philly in particular, who's our head of customer service, she has that relationship with a lot of customers. You know, if we ever have an issue with someone or, or there's a problem, we always err on the side of making our customer happy, and she knows that that's a huge part of who we are. And a lot of times she'll come to say, come to me, and she'll say something like, "Paul, we have this issue with this customer, and X, Y, and Z, and I talk to him all the time, and like, you know, he's like my buddy type of thing, and and I really think that we should do X, Y, Z to make him happy, and she knows my answer. I was going to be, you know, do whatever you think it, you need to do to make him happy, but that's kind of like the relationship that we like to continue to build with our customer base. Uh, as much as possible, I, there may be a point where it becomes even more difficult, where it's it's not just me or Philly or even Julian who's communicating with our customers directly. But for as long as we can and as much as we can, we're, we're going to try to to make Ace Marks feel like that, you know, corner store that's in your neighborhood. They kind of go to for for the people as much as for the product.
1: And I think customers really see and appreciate that when they know that if they reach out, a real person is going to respond to them and is going to take the time to really answer their question. They're not going to get thrown to the side or thrown to a robot. I think a lot of customers really appreciate that.
2: I agree. I, and I hate nothing more than when I call up a business and I get one of those automated answering machines or like an answering service that the best that they can do is take down a message and I can pray that someone's going to respond to me at some point. And we, we try very hard not to do that. So if someone calls your offices, you're going to get a person on the phone during business hours. We don't have robots working for us that work 24-7, but during business hours, you're always going to get a person. And we really try to respond to emails, texts, uh, all the different ways that you can communicate with us as fast as possible. Usually when less than 24 hours and most likely less than an hour or two.
1: And you've mentioned a couple of times your factory in Italy. What was the process for finding the manufacturers that you use for your products?
2: So that's where I think that I had a little bit of an edge because I was already in the business. My family had been manufacturing in Italy since the late eighties. We had a lot of good relationships that we built over the years. And so I had access to manufacturers and product where I can deliver much better quality than a lot of the bigger brands at more or less the same price point, if not less. So our manufacturer kind of came from relationships that we had, to be frank, and it's a type of manufacturer that is generally reserved for the higher end luxury brands they work with. They don't typically take on random guys like me, I guess, if it wasn't for an existing relationship. And, you know, funny story there. At first, they kind of, even with the relationship, they kind of blew me off. They didn't think that this would amount to much, but especially after first Kickstarter campaign, they saw what we can do and kind of the community that we built around the product. And uh, we, we've become great friends ever since.
1: Honestly, I know you said you had an edge, but it's so important to use as a small business, every edge that you have, every kind of foot in the door that you already have. It's so important to use because that's how you're going to compared to big businesses who have all of the foots in the door, right? You got to use what you can.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that I failed at for many years, especially in the beginning, early years of Ace Marks, which wasn't even too long ago. I had my head down in the ground, just really focused on building the business. And I kind of completely ignored the networking part of business and life. And the reality is the more relationships you build, and more real relationships, I should say, not just the type they go to a place with the intent of selling something to someone or, or buying something from someone, like create real friendships and little by little, like you realize, wow, like you have like a really great network and there's anything that you need, especially at my age, I'm 40 at this point. So I've been doing it for, for long enough. i met a lot of people. There are very few challenges that I find in my business that I don't have someone that I can call up and be like, Hey, like, do you know someone or, Hey, I know you've done X, Y, Z, like, can you help me with this? And just, if you have a, a real relationship with that person, they're more likely to help you out and to like give you real advice or, or point you in the real right direction. Versus if you're only calling up up a person just whenever you need something, like no no one wants that guy. You know, building those relationships takes a lot of time and effort as well, so it's important not to lose sight of that.
1: Absolutely. So you have mentioned before that you take great pride in the materials that you're using to make your products, it makes it more quality and more comfortable. What was the process for finding those like?
2: To me, the materials part falls in place based on the manufacturers that, that you work with, right? So most manufacturers that are good quality manufacturers that make the type of product that you want, they have existing relationships with usually types of materials that you want. And so, you know, I very much leaned on them to work with the right suppliers. And so we could just kind of work on that. That being said, I still do constantly go to tanneries in 2019. And I went to Italy just to go visit a bunch of different tanneries, see what they had coming on. They all supplied my manufacturer for our products, but we had never really met in person. So I made it a point to go visit all the tanneries, the outsole suppliers, you know, just kind of building those relationships and because of those trips, there are some interesting materials that we're going to release in 2020, which we kind of postponed, which hopefully we'll release uh, sometime now uh, in 2022. Again, just relationships and and making the effort and and showing your face and putting in the footwork, I guess, <laughs> is the right way to put it, getting out there.
1: Yeah, that is some really good advice. I think sometimes when a small business owner is just starting out, it can feel very isolated because if it's just you or just maybe you and a family member working on the business it can feel kind of awkward to try to get out there but getting out there and talking to more people is exactly what you should be doing and kind of building your network is exactly what you need to do if you're going to take your business to the next level
2: yeah absolutely and I actually Because I realized I'd fallen so far behind in 2020, I took the opportunity to really focus on that. And I joined a few really great groups, you know, EO Entrepreneurs Organization is is one of them, and they have chapters all over the world. It's not like a networking where you're trying to sell things to each other, but it's more, you know, entrepreneurs kind of supporting each other and building networks. And so there's a lot of organizations like that all over the place, which I think are really important, especially if you're a solo entrepreneur and you don't have a co-founder, at least to bounce ideas off of. You know, joining a network of entrepreneurs locally or even digitally, long distance is super important.
1: I completely agree. Is there any other advice that you would have for small business owners? I know that's great advice, but is there anything else that's in your head?
2: Yeah, I think that to me, starting a business is kind of like walking off a cliff. The reality is you don't know, you think you know, or you may have a business plan they spent years perfecting, but the reality is the business plan and reality are going to be two completely different things. So you just have to get comfortable with the idea that you don't have all the answers now, but be confident enough in yourself that as you go along, you're going to figure it out. And that's the most important thing. So just really taking the first steps towards the goal that you're trying to reach without knowing necessarily you're necessarily going to get there. You know, you know, you want to get to from A to Z, but you don't know what's going to happen in between. And just be confident they can get from A to B, then to C, then to D. And opportunities just constantly will present themselves and you'll meet new people that will you know, be the key to answering X, Y, Z questions or to filling whatever holes you have in your business. So just getting started and starting on the path is super important. Just not being frozen by, I guess, analysis paralysis or just trying to have all the answers up front because you can come up with whatever answers you want. They're just not going to be the answers to your real life problem once you get started.
1: I love that. That's great advice. Just to close out then, where can we find you online?
2: So acemarks.com, that's our primary website. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Ace Mark Shoes. We're on YouTube, Ace Mark Shoes, Twitter, Ace Mark Shoes, Facebook, Ace Mark Shoes. Ace Mark Shoes is pretty much going to find us everywhere.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a good safe bet.
2: Yeah, a good safe bet. But acemarks.com. And if you have any questions, just go to acemarks.com. and can text us or email us and someone will answer fairly quickly. I'd say right away, but at least fairly quickly.
1: It's great to hear. Thank you for coming on the show, Paul. It was great to have you.
2: My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Emily.
0: Thank you for listening to the Small Business Showcase. If you liked the episode, be sure to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you don't miss out on the next one. The discussion continues online. Head over to kaizentree.com slash articles to share your thoughts on today's show and to read some of our articles, which cover useful topics, such as what to do about Apple's new iOS update. For more from Kaizen Tree, follow our Instagram at Kaizen or visit our website www.kaizentree.com. That's ww.Kaiz-n-tr-e-e.com.